Welcome to River Fellowship Podcast. At River Fellowship, we strive to experience God, exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage the world. This week, Lead Pastor Daryl Anderson tells us that sometimes it is time for new. Fortunately, God is into new. This new year, decide to experience the new that God has for you. If you'd like to learn more about River Fellowship, go to rfamarillo.org. Another new year, it's upon us. It's a time where we kind of reflect on the past year and then we look with anticipation to the arrival of this coming year. It's a time when we hope that this coming year is better than last year. Even if last year was a great year, we still hope that this coming year will be an even better year. I don't really make New Year's resolutions. Uh, There's nothing wrong with doing that. You may do it. I just have never really done that practice but I did uh, run across your typical top 10 list of New Year resolutions, the top 10 New Year resolutions. And most of them were probably ones that, that we would all think about. Uh, number 10 was to get organized. Number seven was to uh, get out of debt. Number three was uh, taming the bulge, go on a diet, losing some weight. Four, five, and six all had to do with some type of vice or bad habit that I need to stop. Uh, Number one, I thought was really good. It was to spend more time with family and friends. So all of them were really good resolutions. But what was interesting, when I ran across the top 10 resolutions that are broken, it was the same list almost. (laughs) So it's like what we all already know. We're really good at making good New Year's resolutions but we're not very good at keeping those New Year's resolutions. It's interesting though that um, sometimes we just have to step into the new. Sometimes it's just time for new. This week I had to buy new shoes. We went to vacation in Fort Worth to go see our parents for a few days this week and the first day of our, I only took one pair of shoes with me. And I noticed the first day of vacation Here on the back, it was split all the way back from the sole and the shoe was just separated. And I knew it, but I didn't tell anybody. Well, the third day of vacation, Denise was walking behind me and she noticed that. She said, Daryl, did you know your shoe was like that? I said, yeah, I did, but it's the only pair of shoes I brought. So I've been wearing that with it just flapping around for three days. So Denise just said, hey, it's time for new shoes. Sometimes it's just time for new, right? My wife has to get a new phone because some of her texts are going into the wrong text person. It's weird. She's not getting some calls. She's getting some calls, but she still has an iPhone 4. Yeah, so I guess it's time for kind of upgrade. So it's just time for new. Denise and I have kind of an ongoing um, discussion, uh, debate, if you will. When it comes time to buy a car, I always want to buy used because I'm thinking fiscally. She always wants to buy new because she's thinking, I want a dependable car, reliable car, I want a good warranty, I want low mileage, etc. So we always have this debate, but the reality is sometimes it's just time for new. And what's interesting in scripture, maybe you've discovered this, maybe you haven't, but God is really into new. God is really into the new. And that's what I wanna look at as we look at going into this new year just to walk through scripture and see how much God is into new. 
So instead of being in one passage this morning, we're actually going to look at a variety of passages and just walk through to see how God demonstrates how he's into new. So the first passage I want us to look at is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And in this passage, we see that God relates that he's into new because of new birth. He's into new birth. There's something exciting about new birth. I can still remember the birth of both of our sons, how exciting that was and how you look forward with, with hope and anticipation of what's to come. I remember the birth of all of our grandkids as well and that same sense of excitement is there. There's just something exciting about new birth and this is what we see in 1 Peter 1, 3. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He starts here and he talks about God's great mercy. Now we all know what mercy is. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. All of us, because of our sin, we deserve an eternity separated from the Father. But in his great mercy, he doesn't give us what we deserve. Instead of what? He gives us new birth. And that new birth gives us a living hope a hope for the future. Last weekend, my brother-in-law passed away. This coming week, that we're actually gonna have the memorial service for him, and I'm gonna have the honor to, to speak a little bit about his life. The one thing that I'm gonna be able to share, because a lot of his family don't know Christ, the one thing I'm gonna be able to share in that service is Mike had a living hope and we have a living hope because of the relationship with Jesus Christ. This new birth that we experience in Christ gives us a living hope. It gives us an eternal hope. How? Why? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we now have life and we will experience that same resurrection that Jesus Christ experienced. It gives us a living hope. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it this way. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ... He's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So what he's trying to portray here is that new life starts with a new birth. It all hinges on a new birth. What 2 Corinthians tells us is God just doesn't come in and fix our old nature. He doesn't just tweak some things that are wrong in us, but he actually comes and gives us a brand new nature through this new birth. So first we see that God's in the new birth. And there may be someone here this morning that you've never experienced that new birth. What better way to start a new year than with a new birth in Christ? If you've never given your life to Christ here this morning, I pray that you would not leave this morning until you talk to someone about what does that mean and what's involved in that. I'd love to talk to you, others would as well. But God is into the new, and it starts with this new birth. Let me invite you to turn to Lamentations, chapter 3. We'll pick it up in verse 22. In this passage, we see another indicator where God is into the new, and God is into new mercies. He's into new mercies. Lamentations, that's right after Jeremiah, if you need a little help finding that one. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Here now it talks about God's great love. In the previous passage, it talks about God's great mercy. Now he's talking about his great love. And that word great, we've talked about a lot. 
It means superior. It means better. It means above. In other words, no one loves you the way God loves you. No one will ever love you the way God loves you. No one can love you the way God loves you because his love is so vast and so big. He has this superior kind of love. In fact, he loves you so much, this passage says, you will not be consumed. Now, this word consumed in the Hebrew has a a lot of definitions. They kind of say a similar thing. It can mean spent, um, done, dead, finished, over. One of the best definitions I liked is cooked well. (laughs) Well done, burnt. There's been those times when I've grilled and I've grilled for all of our family. So I don't have a big grill. It's kind of a small one. So there are times I put like 16 burgers on there at one time and they're 80, 20, you know, and as soon as you throw it on, there's just like this bonfire just erupts. There's been those times where I've just fried those daddies to a crisp and just burn them. That's kind of what this word is. God's love is so great for us that he will not let us get burnt. He will not let us get done. He will not let us be finished. In other words, what it's trying to say, when we feel like we can't go on, when we encounter those times when life or circumstances or situations or pressures get so great, they get so heavy, when we're literally spent and we think we just can't go on. I cannot continue like this. I cannot bear under this weight. I just can't do this any longer. Says God's love is so great that he will not let us get to the point where we will be consumed, where we will throw in the towel, where we will quit because his love is so great. What does he do? He says his compassions never fail. They're new every morning. That's the word mercies. The reason we're not consumed is God throws on us new mercies every single day. You know in the Hebrew what this phrase every morning means in the Hebrew? Every morning. Insightful, isn't it? Every single morning, God is so faithful. We can trust his goodness. We can trust his faithfulness because they're new every morning. Here's what that means. It means that God is so good and God is so into good that he offers new expressions of himself to us every day. His grace toward us is new every day. God is so vast, God is so expansive that we can experience new aspects of him and his character and his love every single day and never experience the fullness of his essence. They're new every single morning. So if one day we feel like I can't go on, Go on because the next day, God's gonna demonstrate new mercies and new grace to you every single day. So, in your darkest nights, in your toughest days, in those storms of life, in those pressures of life, during those tests, God's faithfulness, God's grace, God's mercies will not allow you to be consumed by those things. He will come and restore you and strengthen you in the midst of that. That's what his new mercies are all about. But here's the catch. The only way you can experience his new mercies is to have experienced new birth. The new mercies are only for those 
who have experienced a new birth in Christ. And that leads us to the third demonstration of God's new, and that is a new mind. He talks about in scripture, a new mind. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 23, we're encouraged to be made new in the attitude of our minds. Now that word attitude in the Greek is that word pneuma. It's also the word for spirit, the Holy Spirit. It means breath or wind. So it's not talking about our intellect. He's not talking about becoming smarter. He's not talking about becoming more intellectual. That word attitude has to do with breath and wind. What he's talking about is the way we think and how we think. He wants to give us a new mind so how we think and what we think about is new and different and fresh. Experts tell us, and I think all of us know this inherently because we've probably experienced it. What we think about and what we think on determines our behavior and our actions and what, we, and what we think and how we think. So if we continue to think about negative things all the time, we're just gonna become a negative person and everything that we do is just negative and we think negative. If we think all the time about self-destructive behaviors, then we begin to act out in those self-destructive behaviors. If we are practicing negative self-talk, things like I'm so stupid, I'm so dumb, I can't do anything right, I'm worthless, I'm useless, nobody likes me, God can't use me, etc. If I, if I constantly think about these negative self-talk, if I do that long enough, I begin to believe that and that's what I think about myself. So what he's saying here is he wants to give us a new mind and change how we think, change what we think about so that we think about positive things rather than negative things. I hate to use another golf illustration because I've used too many, but I'm gonna use one more. Golf is a real mental game. Now there is physical dynamic to golf as well, but it's very mental because if you think about it, you have a lot of time to think in golf. When you're playing other sports, I mean, it's, you're real active, things are going, you're always just kind of reacting and you're always doing something. But in golf, you hit a golf ball and now you got two or three minutes, you're not doing anything else till you hit the next golf ball. So you have a lot of time in a four hour round, you may be actually hitting the golf ball five minutes, I don't know. <laughs> the rest of it, you're thinking. So you have a lot of time to think either right or wrong. And golf coaches, they try to teach you to think positively not negatively. For example, let's say you're on a par three and you're on the tee box and the green's in front of you, but between the tee box and the green is nothing but water. So you have to hit over the water to get to the green. What you don't wanna do, how you don't wanna think, which is typically the way I think when I'm playing, is you get up there and address the ball and you start thinking, don't hit it in the water. Don't hit it in the water. Don't swing weird, don't lift up, don't duck, don't, don't swing hard, don't hit it in the water. And I spend all this time thinking about what I'm not supposed to do and guess what I end up doing? Clunk right in the water. Why? Because I'm thinking about the water. That's all I'm thinking about is the water. And so naturally, how I act responds. So coaches will say, think positively. What you should do instead is say, there's the green. 
I don't even see the water. Yeah, I know there's water, but it's no effect because there's the green. And so I'm thinking about hitting it on the green. I'm thinking about how the ball's gonna fly on the green. I'm thinking about how I'm gonna swing very smoothly to hit it onto the green. That's the difference in thinking positively and negatively. And so what he's trying to say here about thinking new is think positively. Fix your eyes on that which is the target. All right? That's why Hebrews 12, 2 says to fix your eyes on Jesus. To focus your attention on Jesus. Here's the analogy. I have two options in golf when I'm trying to hit over that water. I can spend all my time thinking about the water and how deep the water is and how big the water is and how likely I am to hit in the water or I can think about the green and keep my focus on the green. I can do the same thing in life. I can go through life and all I'm doing is thinking about my problems and my struggles and my tests and my issues and all the negative things in life, all this stuff that I'm having to face, all this stuff that's coming in front of me. I can choose to focus on all that or I can choose to focus past that and beyond that and fix my eyes on Jesus and focus on Him. Yes, I understand, I've got issues in life, I get it, but I'm focusing my attention on Jesus Christ. Because what that does is begin to train my thinking and create this new mind. It's all about thinking on the right thing. Turn to Philippians chapter four, verse eight. This passage gives us more insight into what this looks like. He spent some time telling us what we should do. And now in Philippians 4.8, he tells us what we should think about. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Think on these things. We have a choice. We can think about all the negative things in our life and all the struggles and the problems and all the bad stuff going on, or we can choose to think on those things that are excellent and praiseworthy and holy and righteous because that's going to transform us. That's going to change us. Paul takes it a step further in Philippians 3.13, and he says, I do something, I've learned to do something, I have a common practice, Paul says, that I forget about all this stuff in the past, and I'm gonna think only about all of this stuff in the future. Herm Edwards, many of you will know that name, coach, broadcaster, um, several years ago, he was talking about Tim Tebow, and he was complimenting Tim Tebow, particularly in his college career. And he said Tebow had a unique ability that, that, that allowed him to be successful in college. And he said that was the ability to forget about the previous three quarters and just focus on the fourth quarter. He had a unique knack to forget about all the other three and he can just focus on the fourth quarter. It didn't matter how bad he played, how many interceptions he threw, what, what went on in those quarters. He had the ability to, to Forget about it and just, this is a new quarter. And that's what helped in his success in his college career. That's what Paul is basically saying. I can spend a lot of time thinking about all my past mistakes. I can spend a lot of time thinking about in the past what somebody did wrong to me 
Or I can forget about that and I can turn my focus and my attention and my thinking on what God's doing right now and wants to do from this point on. So we're talking about a new mind. And the way we maintain a new mind is these three things we've just talked about. Number one, we keep our focus and our eyes on Jesus Christ. We think about him and we focus on him. Number two, we think about that which is excellent and holy, the positive things that God has done for us, his blessings rather than our struggles. And then three, we forget about the past and we focus on the future, a new beginning. But here's the catch. To have a new mind, you have to renew your mind. It doesn't happen automatically. Here's a difference between new birth and a new mind. When you experience new birth, when you give your life to Christ, immediately and instantaneously, you receive new birth, immediately. But it's not that way with a new mind. With a new mind, it's a process. It's a continual process where we are renewing our mind. That's why Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. And it's a tense that says it's an ongoing practice. Why do we talk so much about spending time in the word? Why do we spend so much time talking about spending time in prayer and spending time in worship and gathering together? Part of the reason is it's part of the renewing of our mind process because that's how the mind is renewed. Renewing the mind simply means thinking like God. Our mind is completely renewed when we think like God. So here's, here's kind of how the process works. First, I begin to think about God. That's what I fix my mind on. I'm going to think about God. That's what prayer is. That's what scripture reading is. That's what worship. We are thinking about God. The more I think about God, the more I begin to think like God. The more I think like God, the more my mind is renewed and I develop this new mind. So if I want to renew my mind, I need to spend a lot of time thinking about God, which allows me to think like God and my mind begins to be renewed. That's why he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. That's why he says, think about those things that are praiseworthy. That's why he says, think about what God's going to do in the new, because we're thinking about God, makes us think like God and we have a renewed mind. All of those three, new birth and new mercies and a new mind, lead us to this fourth indicator that God is really into the new. And that's new love. God is really into a new kind of love. John 13, 34, many of you know this verse well. This is Jesus speaking and he says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. He talks about a new kind of love. To love one another, how? He says, as I've loved you. That's how I want you to love one another. So how does God love us? Well, Romans 5, 8 says that God showed his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
gives us two indications of how he loves us. Number one, he loves us when we were still sinners. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't come to me and God didn't come to me and say, Daryl, I really wanna love you, but you need to do some things first. You need to get your act together. You need to get rid of some of those bad habits. You need to get rid of the way you think and the way you talk, all that sin. There's a whole list. You've gotta, you've gotta deal with all this stuff. You have to get your life put together. And once you do that, then I will love you. Then you'll be worthy of my love. He didn't do that, did he? Even while I was still a sinner, even when I was in rebellion, even when I had all kinds of crud going on in my life, he loved me unconditionally. That's the way he loves us and that's the way he tells us to love others. It's very easy for us, maybe not consciously, maybe we would never communicate this verbally, but it's very easy to withhold our love from those who we deem unworthy and to wait until they come to a certain place in their walk and in their life where we are now ready to love them. It's almost as if sometimes we say, hey, you need to get your act together. <laughs> and when you get your act together, when you get some stuff taken care of, when you get rid of some of that stuff, the way you talk and the way you think and what you do, when you get through with that rebellion, when you get that stuff cleaned up, then I will give you my love. That's not what Christ says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love them the way he loves us. We love people in the midst of their sin, in the midst of their rebellion, in the midst of their defiance, in the midst of their mess. <laughs> we love them anyway. We also love them the way Christ loved them. Number two is he died for them. God's love for us is sacrificial. It's unconditional. It's uncontainable. It's incomprehensible. It's undeserved and it's unending. And that's the way we're supposed to love others. With that same kind of love. And I'll tell you, that's a new kind of love. In a world where many people say, love your friends but hate your enemies, God says, love your enemies too. In a world where many say an eye for an eye, God says, pray for those that persecute you. This is a new kind of love, but here's the catch. You can only love with this new kind of love if you've experienced new birth and you're experiencing his new mercies and you have renewed your mind into a new mind because we cannot love that way. We can only love that way as God loves through us and that only happens through a new birth and new mercies and through a new mind. The sermon title this morning is simply new, just new. God wants to make us new for two reasons. The first reason is for ourselves. He wants to make us new for ourselves. He wants us to experience new birth. He wants us to experience his new mercies every single day where we are walking in his newness and his goodness. He wants us to have a new mind so that we're thinking like God. He wants to do it for us, but secondly, he wants to do it for the benefit of others so that we impact 
others with this new kind of love. See, some people are content just to experience a new birth. And they said, hey, I experienced a new birth. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. But some people will take it a step further and say, no, I want to experience new mercies too. I want to experience the goodness of God. So as long as I'm having some really cool experiences, I'm good. Others may take it a step further to a new mind and says, you know, I'm tired of all this stinking thinking, so I do want to have a, a new thought process and a new mind, and they stop here. But if we stop anywhere along the road and we never get to a new kind of love, we have short-circuited the purpose and the plan of God for our life. Because God isn't just about doing something in you. He's about doing something through you. Yes, he wants you to experience all of his goodness and all of his love and all of his grace, but he wants to use you to be an instrument to help demonstrate all of that grace and all of that love to other people. He wants to, you to be this, this conduit that goes all the way to a new kind of love where I am now loving people the way Christ loves me. That's the end goal. So we could say what the video said when we started. Are we willing to be the new? Not just experience the new, but to be the new, where we take God's new mercies into the world with a new kind of love. Let me end with just something kind of personal as it relates to River Fellowship. I'm very, very excited about the new year. I'm very excited about the new year. We're a new church. We're eight months old, almost nine months old. Very soon, we're gonna be in a new location. That's gonna give us opportunity for new ministry. We're gonna be in some new neighborhoods that will open the door to impact a new part of the city. I am so excited about what God wants to, to, to do. I, knew, I know for some of you this year, uh, you've had a new spiritual awakening. You've had a new excitement about what God's doing in your life and in our community. Maybe for some of you, you've experienced a new, a new desire to serve the Lord, a new uh, excitement about church and just the whole dynamic of what's going. Some of you have actually experienced new birth this past year. You've given your life to Christ. So for many of us, and for River Fellowship in particular, 2018 has been a great year. <laughs> but as good as it's been, I can't tell you how excited I am about 2019. I don't know what it holds. I don't know what's gonna happen. God hasn't given me any prophetic word. I just know that God is doing a great new work and I want him to do it through River Fellowship, and I'm excited about the new year. And my prayer is that you'll be just as excited about what God wants to do this new year. But I do know for God to do a great work through River Fellowship, we will have to love with a new kind of love. That when we encounter people in our community and our city, they know that we love them in spite of their mess, in spite of their issues, in spite of what may, may be going on, in spite of their rebellion, whatever, it doesn't matter. What matters is 
we love you the way Christ loves us. And when people see that kind of love, when we demonstrate that kind of love that is birthed from our experiencing God and the newness of God in us, as God is doing new in us every single day, that it gives us the power, that gives us the, the, the propulsion to go and love people with a new kind of love. And if we'll do that, 2019 can be an unbelievable year in the life of River Fellowship. That's my prayer. Would you bow with me? In just a moment, we're gonna sing and it's just gonna be a song of celebration together. Before we do that, I'm just gonna invite you to spend some time in prayer, just you and the Lord. Whatever that means, maybe it's reflecting on this past year, maybe it's looking forward to this new year. There are things God needs to do in your life. Just, just praying for our church, praying for the new year, praying for the new location, just praying, just you and the Lord, that we'll spend just a few moments praying in the new year. So in the stillness and the quietness, just you and the Lord for a few minutes. Thanks for listening. To learn more about River Fellowship in Amarillo, Texas, or to hear more messages, go to rfamarillo.org. Thanks. Have a great week.